0: Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And
1: I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion.
0: And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. I'm joined by my wife, Jessica. She's a state senator. And today we are uh celebrating episode 50 and there's a lot to actually celebrate and a lot to consider and talk about and discuss a lot happening um so jess what do you want to talk about first
1: Ooh, where should we start um i think we should start with zambrano we'll start with the good news okay and so yesterday the governor put out his proposal for San Marano Hospital and really Eleanor Slater Hospital, which includes the Cranston campus. And I have to say, I was very pleased after a year of advocating uh, that I've been advocating for the hospital.
0: Mm-hmm. You've and been doing that since you got in there.
1: I did, since I got elected in 2018. Right. But fact. it
0: really ramped up when there was talks about closing it, the, the um, uh, shadow close and the um, Talking about uh, you know not hiring, not receiving mm-hmm. new patients and new residents.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It did start because as I put out a press release, which I'll be emailing to everyone on my mailing list, but um, I just recalled in my at freshman orientation that when I was asked what was the most important, to, what was the important, most important issue uh, facing my district, and I said San Bruno Hospital, mm. and it has been for the three years that I've been up at the state house. So, um, you know, one of the thing that things that people would ask me at the door when I was knocking on doors and campaigning was, how are you a Republican? If you get up there, you'll be one of five going to get anything done because you'll be in the minority party. I was like, that's true. I will be actually, I'll Mm -hmm. be in the super minority, super minority, (laughs) five
0: out of 38 are Republicans.
1: And I said, it's going to take, um, you know strong voice someone who's not afraid to 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 bring these issues up and and to be a faithful voice for it for the district
0: you've been very persistent at it um that's the one thing i hear over and over again that you're like a squeaky wheel just once you <laughs> once you uh you know grab onto something you don't let go of it until uh, you see some movement
1: yeah is that true david as I of would, my husband,
0: after 20 years of marriage, I can definitely say, yes, we have renovated our house because <laughs> you've been so persistent.
1: Um, so yeah, so I have been very persistent and it's something that, um, you know, I, I very few areas where I think the government should get involved, but there are areas such as this in mm. Burana hospital, DCYF where, um, government intervention is, is necessary. So. Um, I don't like big government, but this is the hospital of last resort for people. They have nowhere else to go. Right. Um, and so the great news is that after years of advocating for Zambrano Hospital, we are going to get very much, at least this is proposed in the budget. So it still has to go to the House and the Senate. Okay. And I'm very hopeful that my colleagues uh, will agree because all of them. Uh, when I put a resolution, all of it was, it was unanimous that we needed to save Zambrano Hospital and all of them agreed. So we are looking at 108, I got my little notes here, can you hear them, um, 108 million will be for a new facility at Zambrano That's a, Hospital.
0: That's a lot of money, $108 million. Yes. That's huge.
1: Yes. So there's a beautiful building there, but it's um, it's been there for 100 years mm-hmm. and it's it's an old building. But the exterior of the building is in great shape. So they're not going to knock that building down. It would cost millions and millions and millions. I mean, it would be a sin really mm-hmm. to knock that thing down. Yeah. Um, so I think in the future, it will probably be retrofitted the interior for something else. But that's another topic for a different day. Okay. But um, so $108 million for this new facility. 80 beds in this new facility, there'll be a hundred beds, but 80 of them will be for long-term acute care and 20 will be for skilled nursing. So it's kind of like that step-down facility that we're talking about where you may need that acute care, but then as you um, begin to recover, hmm. then we can start
0: transitioning <laughs> you to, exactly. I gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, so the hospital will not be complete until 2028, which means... ARPA funding won't be used really for that because it has to be used within two years. Of ARPA money, so this the, will be the uh,
0: American Rescue Plan Act. Yes, right. thank so you. So federal dollars, okay. Yeah. So this be, is really mostly state funds.
1: Yeah, Rhode Island capital funds.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Um, and then another twelve to thirteen million dollars for uh, improving utilities, wastewater treatment plant, um, and. Possibly elevator installation, which needs to be done because of transporting patients. Another three point two million to upgrade the ventilator system there at the hospital, um, which will be done fairly quickly because they need to move some patients out of Cranston into ZAM. I see. For for the for the renovations that they're doing in Cranston. Um, be, we will also be getting twenty two point four million for the procurement of medical electronic medical records because right now we're doing paper records, mm-hmm. and nobody does that, and that's also. A reason why we're not receiving federal funds this because is, the federal government says you have to have right. Electronic. This is
0: 2022, <laughs> the year 2022. Yeah, Uh we have virtual reality headsets, we have electric vehicles, but we have a hospital system that was still using paper and pencil. Yeah, that's amazing. Maybe pen. Yeah. I mean, paper, all right, the- so they're, they're going to retrograde upgrade all of the uh the data uh, systems for the for the hospital. That, that's huge. I mean, that's that, huge. That's yeah, that's like mm-hmm.
1: you know if someone's admitted to Rhode Island hospital for, you know, an injury or whatever, those records can now be, uh- followed with the patient they can right. actually the people at Rhode Island house will be able to say okay these are the medications they're taking these are this is their medical issues mm-hmm. um you know pre-existing conditions what
0: are they like faxing letters back and forth between the, uh, yeah to other hospitals
1: exactly like
0: how do they distribute this information right that's wild so,
1: and then which is a really big deal is 1.2 million for new vehicles now what when i was first elected i remember I met with the, with the administrators at the hospital and I said, Hey, give me some of the, you know, uh, areas in which you feel that you need funding. And one of them said vehicles, because in the winter, when we take patients out, cause they go on outings and movies and shopping,
0: get them out of the hospital, get them yeah. out of the hospital. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, we have to leave the cars running because if we shut them off, they might not turn back on and they'll strand the patients.
0: And these are acute care, you know, they're um,
1: quadriplegics. right? They like
0: cannot have a vehicle that's not starting,
1: they have to take their medications at specific times, so it's they a, time these outings like right.
0: to the T. Wow, wow, yeah, it's amazing to me that that was a request, and the state was not able to provide a vehicle. I mean, we see state vehicles all over the place, they couldn't right. get a, a, a van or a couple of vans to there's special help vans them. because they have right. to
1: carry these um wheelchairs, that's but true. yeah, so. We're finally getting new vehicles. They'll be obviously shared between the two campuses, but still it's very important. Mm. Um, so these are huge. I mean, this is over $145 million for Boroughville. This is a serious for investment. For District 23.
0: Yeah, for, for your backyard. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I know you've been a strong voice for them, faithful advocate for them. You've, uh, you were one of the first people to really highlight that the state was um, not resourcing the hospital. You, you had been having close conversations with people that worked at the hospital and, and really shone a light on that. And it was part of the oversight hearings, um, in the, in the state Senate. And of course, not just you, other people, other lawmakers have jumped in on this as well. Um, but it was, it, it, this is a huge, huge win for the district and for Rhode Island and, and for your advocacy. So nice job. Good Thank work. you. Good I just work. want to
1: be clear for those who are maybe just tuning into the podcast and have never heard about zamborano in the past. Um, Zamburano provides crucial care unavailable anywhere else in the state mm-hmm. to extremely vulnerable patients.
0: It's like a hospital of last resort.
1: Exactly. It's not a Rhode Island hospital where you go in and, you know,
0: you might have be an in operation, for a few days. Yeah, yeah exactly. this mm-hmm. is
1: a lot of times individuals this is this is their home until they pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the other issue that I've had with spending Rhode Island spending even with arpa money, but um is improvements to infrastructure. And this is one of those improvements to infrastructure that will of, of course support these vulnerable people but mm. also uh, invest in the future,
0: right. That's great. That's awesome. Well, that's uh, that's a win for the state. And uh, I, I'm sure there are people elated just celebrating families, patients, residents, I'm sure people Oh, you don't know how many and, texts I got. Wow.
1: People are saying, you know, they were just over the moon. One woman was almost crying on the phone. She was very emotional. Um, so my that was my laptop. That was your,
0: that was your laptop. OK, right, so
1: <laughs> moving on, yep. David. Um, so I was sitting in the state of the state address as governor McKee was, um, laying out what he felt was important for the, for the coming year. But I'd love to get your take on what you thought about the governor's speech.
0: Yeah, I was checking it out and watching it like, uh, a lot of other Rhode Islanders. Um, you know, it's, um, It was he was pink. Obviously, he he, he's recognizing that we're still in a pandemic and hopefully coming out of it. I don't think he said we're coming out of it, but he recognized that we've lost a lot. You know, three thousand Rhode Islanders have died. Uh, Of course, um, that's just the beginning of it. We're not even getting into all the businesses affected by it and the the learning loss that happened for children. But, uh, you know, he was he was very serious about the the, um, um, the effects that the pandemic has had. Uh, he did, however, lay out a very ambitious spending um, uh, set of proposals, and I think a lot of it's because the state has been sitting on hundreds of millions, over a billion dollars now of federal funds. Uh, we're one of the last states to release those funds and really kind of earmark them and start spending it. But uh, in this uh, state of the state, he for some of it he kind of hinted to it, and in. Um, uh, for, for somebody just laid out very plainly what he plans to do. So just a, a quick rundown, if you missed it, uh, he's planning on spending about $250 million uh, for housing, um, also uh, for giving student loans for healthcare workers, and then he also wanted to create a statewide network of electric charging stations. So a little bit of green stuff in here. I, I know there was a push for green energy. Um, there was the... Uh, the housing, which was a big one. Um, He recognized that um, uh, in total, he called on the state lawmakers to allocate $250 million to make a once in a generation investment in the state's housing stock. Um, So he's hoping to preserve thousands of these units of housing, um, transform blighted properties, I'm quoting from his speech, uh, strengthen communities and create good paying construction jobs all in the process. Um if, uh, if you've been living under a rock, then you uh, may not know that uh, housing prices are expensive. Rental prices have gone up. So there's a huge demand for housing in Rhode Island. And the supply really hasn't changed much. It's been pretty stagnant. And that's led to a, an increase in, um, in, in the cost of housing. So he's hoping that uh, this year's state budget will address those housing, um, housing issues. And it sounds like $250 million, that's a lot of money to throw at that problem. Um, he also highlighted, uh, $50 million that would go towards housing assistance. This would be for people that were affected by the pandemic, but, uh, need some help with their rental assistance or their mortgage. Maybe they lapsed, um, you know, in some payments or in their utilities. So $50 million would be set aside to help folks, uh, affected by the pandemic to, to keep their homes or, um, or, or, um, you know, maybe catch up in their, on their payments. Um. So, what did you
1: think about all of those proposals?
0: Well, I think um, right now it doesn't sound like there's going to be any tax increase. Um, I think he even mentioned that in the speech, if my memory is, uh, is correct. So, I uh, I feel like we've got all this money. It came from the federal government. You got to spend it. Um, why not spend it on some of these things? And it's not just housing. I was happy to hear that he is going to be paying attention to or going to get serious about uh, fixing Rhode Island's infrastructure. Uh, he, he mentioned about 100 state and federally financed projects that in total will value like $2.1 billion.
1: I just hope that Route 94 doesn't get bumped because that's another thing that I'm really fighting for. Me and, and rep Mike Trippendale on the house side, he's been in the uh, the house for a very long time mm-hmm. and he's been beating this drum about Route 94 that hasn't been paved in 30 years. And keeps getting bumped. So
0: it's a state highway, a state it's highway, traveled. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, you know, an international company, FM Global, It sits right on that's top of it. And international. it's international, yeah. It, so it's a job creator. I mean, you, you've got to respond 30 years times. is too long, right? Yeah, for hospital for uh for, fire trucks, yeah. And-
1: so, um I'm gonna keep my eye on that too.
0: <laughs> well, I thought it was bumped up, right like uh yeah, it, it
1: was bumped up uh actually so and
0: again, I think that's because in part because of you and Rep Chippendale being so persistent, you both had an audience with the the governor yep. and were able to uh advocate
1: well, we did yes advocate. you, you did Sorry. you yeah. did
0: advocate for it I thought you were gonna say something major case yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and it looks like uh you know, and then I think next year in twenty twenty three they's they're gonna start uh, repairing that that state highway
1: yes which is another big win (laughs) for for northwestern rhode Island. i
0: love that you know you you've been able to kind of put your thumb in the eye of people that said ah you're no you're a republican you can't get anything done you'll have no power (laughs) up there and you're you know you're, you're just um a freshman senator or you're too new to this but in your second term you've been able to put some serious wins on the board that's awesome
1: yeah but um you know, like I said, I can't do it without my colleagues in the mm. Senate. It is a bipartisan effort, and
0: and the administration, you know, made the right decision here. They especially, did. you know, with Zamborano Hospital mm-hmm. and and uh, neglect uh, attention. I don't attention. agree
1: with the governor on a lot of things, as as many of these our listeners have have heard
0: have over you the been past him?
1: episodes, almost one year. Um, but
0: now, if he would just end the state of emergency, yeah. Right?
1: Then we but, uh, could all be friends now.
0: But you, you um, have been persistent on I that have as been well. Persistent, yeah. and we'll we'll see. Hopefully we yeah. can um celebrate you
1: know. in June when the budget is passed.
0: Right. So. Uh oh for the these projects, right? Right, for the yeah. projects.
1: Because these are all proposals and they're great proposals and I support them um for Zambrano and mm-hmm. for Route 94. You know, I I I'm just glad that they're not um being neglected anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so let's go on to the response. Yes. By the minority party.
0: Yes. uh, If uh, you missed it, unfortunately, they didn't carry it. Uh, Last year, they carried uh, your state of the state response. Unfortunately, they didn't do that this year, at least um, the the channels that I was watching. But if you missed it, House Minority Leader uh, Representative Blake Filippi offered a response, and he was very candid. Um, He he made sure people knew the conditions in the state in Rhode Island. It's not a rosy picture. He said, uh, very candidly that it's time that we have a difficult discussion as a state and he highlighted a number of issues. Um, maybe most importantly, uh, he, uh, echoes what you've been talking about with the executive orders and really talked about it as a state of lawlessness that the governor has allowed the state to, um, to creep into. Would you uh, agree with that kind of characterization, that, that it's really unlawful, these executive orders?
1: I think that they have crossed that that line because, you know, an emergency was really meant, you know, when you think of emergency, you think immediate action and eventually the emergency will go away. And granted, COVID is going to be with us for a long time, but it doesn't mean that you bypass the legislature. An emergency is, yeah, you need it for a couple of months, maybe a month, maybe less, I don't know, depending on the emergency. If it's a natural disaster, this one is not a natural disaster. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's crossed the line. We're going to two years under a state of emergency.
0: That's, I mean, it's it's. I, I'm speechless. Um, but he also highlighted, you know, there have been a lot of, um, these executive orders have caused a lot of havoc. Um, he talked about how, Uh, nursing homes were being forced to accept COVID positive patients, which uh, of course caused the, 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 uh, uh, caused thousands of Rhode Islanders and, um, many of them, the most vulnerable to, to perish. He talked about the, uh, um. executive orders that uh, shut down a lot of small businesses but walmart home depot target they were able to remain open uh he shuttered the houses of worship halted funerals uh, restricted the ability to peacefully assemble as free mm-hmm. citizens um, well
1: not all right?
0: not and all that was actually under
1: Ramondo, but true um you know but he's churches continued churches were not allowed to meet but protesters mm-hmm. were allowed and it's like it's it, first amendment is first amendment it applies to everybody. Right. But anyways, are
0: protesting or worshipping yes. the first amendment is the first amendment. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Um and um you know, he, a long list of these and now we're seeing you know the um, um the mandates that uh, uh were applied to students in schools but then we saw politicians and you know sitting around poker tables, you know, at the uh, casinos and at other public gatherings unmasked when children are not nearly as um what's the word not nearly as vulnerable. yeah vulnerable to this to this disease or this virus as an adult is so just uh, a lot of these executive orders and mandates um he really took to task and just laid out a long laundry list of um of mistakes um or or bad policy decisions from the administration uh of course governor not governor uh, representative maybe someday governor oh but uh representative or house minority leader uh philippi also highlighted that rhode island continues to fail in education Mm -hmm. especially the providence and some of the other urban centers they have really failed their the students and the families there and um uh uh, representative Filippi highlighted that republicans continue to offer a solution you know we, we can't wait 5 10 15 years to right. get our education system back on track let's embrace school choice and uh, and give parents the opportunity to send their kids to a good school mm-hmm. because we know that good school systems build good strong adults and then the other thing that um, was kind of under the radar i was surprised he mentioned it But he was very forceful with it, and I think he really raised um, the state's awareness of the hospital merger that um, is happening right now. So I think the General Assembly has already signed off on it or approved it, but my understanding is the governor uh, and even federal uh, authorities have to weigh in on whether or not they can approve it, because it seems like this hospital merger um, would be very close to creating a monopoly. If the hospital merger goes forward, um, we'll see 80% of all of the healthcare in Rhode Island under the control of one corporate entity. And that is, to me, the very definition of a monopoly. Maybe it's not 100%, but when you get yeah. 80%, can you imagine if all of the houses in Rhode Island were 80% of them? Were owned by one person mm-hmm. they're going to move the market they're going to be able to charge what they want right and i think uh
1: uh they'll they'll say Blake that philippi it,
0: was onto something here yeah
1: they'll say that it's well you know we'll be able to provide better care better communication blah 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 whatever but what you're as you pointed out it will increase the cost of healthcare in rhode island
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it's um it's not just like for the patients being affected, but uh, Rep. Filippi also mentioned that you're going to see healthcare workers uh, being forced to really, yeah. you know, 80% of them are going to work for one entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to be able to drive wages as well. right? Uh, so he made a very compelling argument uh, even this week when I was listening to uh, some news radio and watching the news that uh, on TV. It has been something that the media is starting to cover and i'm really happy to hear that because right. i think it is one of those issues that maybe no one was paying attention to a week ago but they are looking at it now and i think that's a good um he was very effective at highlighting that issue Yeah, you know,
1: republicans I, can be effective that's the thing um it, go ahead you were saying something
0: well it just um uh, exactly but it, I, he was able to do with the state of the state response what a um what the opposition should want to do is highlight that things aren't so rosy, and then talk about issues that maybe aren't in the mainstream and not everyone's paying attention to, and the legislation's not there, and maybe there's no support in the general assembly. The governor's never talking about it, but it is still a pressing issue. And um, he highlighted a lot of those: state of emergency, the state of education, the um, the healthcare crisis that's really self inflicted, and I think this merger is only going to worsen that. So. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on his state of the state or the governor's? Because you were in the room.
1: I was. I was room. not. I was
0: watching on, you know, i had to watch on TV like every other Rhode Islander. But you got to be in the room. Well,
1: um, that's because, you know, I'm in the Senate. In. So, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I was there. And some of my Democrat colleagues said it was unimpressive. Like they were just like okay, you know, this is like a re-election kind of like speech.
0: Yes, yes, um, I I recognize that too because there was a part, especially at the beginning of his speech, it seemed like he was doing more of an introduction mm-hmm. to the state of who he is because he. He ran for lieutenant governor and won. And not many people knew who he was. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the same name recognition as, you know, Fung or Raimondo. So I, I, he, he talked about his time as a, um, you know, lifelong Rhode Islander and his kids growing up here. He talked about being a Little League coach and starting a small business in Blackstone Valley. So he, he was trying to show his, um, his uh, you know, street cred with Rhode Islanders. Like, I'm, I really am one of you. I'm a regular yeah. Joe Schmell, a regular John McKee. Dan uh, McKee, excuse Dan me. Who's John McKay I don't know. Hmm. Maybe
1: one of his family members. But, um, yeah, so I tried, I tried to be honest, right? Uh, and I think some of his some of the speech, some of the things that he mentioned, I thought they were important mm-hmm. for the legislature to, to take into account, but not necessarily, you know, something that Republicans haven't talked about, like incentives for nurses to stay here in Rhode Island once they graduate. And and, um, alleviate that, uh, burden of, uh, student loans. Um, uh, so I, I think that's something that Republicans have always said, you know, if we're going to do it, let's, let's do it for, for industries that we desperately need. Right. We need healthcare
0: know? workers. So let's provide an incentive mm-hmm. for healthcare workers yeah. to stay here. If
1: you have a degree in, you know, interpretive dance and you want, um, right. <laughs> you want, you want your federal, your loans, uh, alleviated, then I would say no, you know, mm-hmm.
0: sorry for all those folks out there yeah. that listen to us and have that interpretive <laughs> dance degree. That wasn't a dig at you. No, it wasn't. It's just uh, a dig at everyone with a worthless degree.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think those, there were some good points, but, um, as far as it's Leader tough to Philippi. deliver a speech. Oh, it's you know? so hard. Like yeah. there,
0: it really was night and day between Governor McKee and Leader Filippi. Leader Filippi, very telegenic, young. It was night and day
1: between him and Raimondo.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and you and, when you uh, delivered the speech last year.
1: Yeah, but even just between the two of them, she seemed like, like on the TV, she looked really nervous um she looked uncomfortable yeah Mickey didn't look as no, he looked uncomfortable more comfortable in yeah his own skin. exactly it's
0: hard to deliver a speech like that you know like I, I wouldn't give him just for delivery I wouldn't give him high marks for that but I was really I'm more interested in the substance in the content, you know I was yeah. just kind of looking past some of his um yeah it's hard it's hard to do public speaking I I do it and I feel like I'm like okay at it I don't think I'm great at it yeah um but you know, he, uh, he got through it. And I, like I said, I think he was able to highlight his big policy things and introduce himself to the, to the voters.
1: Yeah. Um, as far as leader Filippi, very energetic, um, but he is an energetic guy and a lot of substance and think about it. You have to, as the Republicans gave a response, they don't use the same amount of time. Right. You know, right, I right. think, I think it was like over 30 minutes for the governor. And uh, mine was eight minutes. I think Leader Philippi's was around ten. So Mm. you have to pack a lot into a short amount of time. And he was very, he was very good, very effective.
0: All right, we only have a few minutes left. Okay, so Uh, but I wanted to ask you a quick question because you have been asked a lot. Jim Langevin, our uh, the congressman for the second congressional district, has said he's not running for reelection. You've been asked. I, I know people are calling you, texting you, and encouraging you to run. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, people have asked me constituents, Are you run? yes or no, and especially constituents have asked me and people that I've advocated for. Um, and it's a discussion that I have to have with my family and and supporters.
0: So we'll have that discussion. We we'll do it right <laughs> as soon as we end this end this podcast. I know it's a lot to consider. You're doing a great job in the Senate, and um, you're very effective there. We've seen that, that just this last year. Your your third year seems to be. You know third what is it threes the charm or something something like that um i'm not a superstitious person so i i wouldn't know yeah <laughs> um well we'll see we'll see I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what were you gonna say
1: today's closing quote is going to be by blake Filippi.
0: yeah stick around for that all right so more to come uh stick around for uh the closing quote and we'll see you in the next episode of rhode island's church and state today's closing quote comes from house minority leader blake Filippi. He said in his state of his state of dress, We have so much opportunity as a state. We are located between Boston and New York, have stunning natural beauty and a great quality of life, a diverse, warm, and inclusive population, deep water ports, integrated highway and train systems, top notch universities, and now an international airport. People want to live here if they can afford it. We have all the pieces in place to thrive.
1: Thanks again for listening.
0: And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And
1: for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.